It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. You are Locked On Titans, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Titans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to Locked On Titans, your daily source for all Titans news and information with your host, Terry McCormick of TitanInsider.com, Greg Arias, and former Tennessee Titans All-Pro left tackle Brad Hopkins. It's Wednesday, which means Terry and I have the uh, honors today of bringing you this podcast edition of Locked on Titans. And Terry, uh, a lot of things to get to today, including we're having a crossover segment today with the guys from the Locked on Broncos podcast. We'll get to those here in just a minute. But as always, let's jump right in and take care of the current news before bringing on our special guest. And of course, that news today involves the fact that Jarrell Casey did not practice with the Titans yet again meaning that uh, he is still going to be questionable and perhaps even a game-time decision for him to go against the Broncos coming up on Sunday. He did do a little bit of running on the side today and uh, looked to be moving okay. I think one of the reasons they held him out was probably because it was a full pad practice and there's no sense in uh, you know exposing him to that and risking any further injury and give him another day to heal. Uh both Mike Malarkey and Casey himself have said that uh, you know they're hopeful that he's going to be able to play, but uh, we're going to have to see how this progresses as the week goes along, and you may very well be right. It may come down to a, a game-time decision for him. Other news and good news on the injury front, that the fact that DeMarco Murray practiced on Wednesday for the first time in five weeks, meaning that the week off looks like it's done the trick uh, for that injured toe, and he certainly will be uh, ready to go on Sunday versus Denver. Right. Uh, Murray was able to practice on Monday and then practiced again today. Uh, He had been getting Wednesdays off prior to the bye, had actually set out four straight practices but uh DeMarco Murray able to give it a go today and uh, was a full participant so that certainly is good news that uh you know he may be able to give it a go and be full you know probably we know he's going to play but maybe at a higher level maybe than he has been health-wise over the last month or so there is some news about a potential starting position for the Titans, obviously with the release of Parrish Cox uh, a week ago before the uh, bye week. The thought was that it would be Valentino Blake or rookie LaShawn Sims to get the start. Not so fast, as they say. Bryce McCain has now entered his name as a potential suitor to win that starting cornerback spot as opposed to staying in the nickel where he had been throughout the course of the season to this point. Yeah, they uh, have not made a decision. They're going to probably have a rotation at that spot between uh, McCain, Valentino Blake, and rookie LaShawn Sims. You know, 
Mike Malarkey said Monday that uh, Sims and Blake would be in that mix, and then today he added that Bryce McCain, who will be in the nickel when they're in sub-packages, also could get uh, some consideration uh, to be that outside cornerback uh, opposite Jason McCourty. So going to be interesting. That that decision will be made as the week moves along, but uh, probably will still wind up being a rotation of some sort no matter who gets the start. Some fun news to talk about. Fans might have recognized over the last couple of weeks, if you'd watched the uh, Titans either in person or on television, that Marcus Mariota had been sporting a mustache, Terry. That no longer the case. It has gone the way of the dodo bird, so to speak, and uh, he shaved it off. So obviously he's not superstitious that, uh, you know, kind of like Samson in the hair, the mustache wasn't doing anything to improve his game, and thus he will be uh, clean shaven or at least uh, no mustache come Sunday. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. You know, on Titan Insider there's a video that – our friends over at A to Z Sports uh, made, and it appears on Titan Insider and just kind of talks about Mariota's mustache, a little lighthearted look at it. But, uh, you know, you got to credit Marcus for at least not being superstitious and thinking that uh, he needed to protect uh, the streak or, or something, as they say in baseball, and uh, going ahead and getting rid of the mustache because he, he felt it wasn't a good look for him. But, uh you know, he got rid of it, even though he was playing very well, was actually the AFC Offensive Player of the Month with the mustache. I would have to agree with him. He just doesn't seem like the mustache type to me. I kind of wondered why he was uh, growing that when it first appeared. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think I think he made the right decision there. And I'm not a superstitious person, so I don't think it will affect him one way or the other. He's going to come out and play his game regardless of whether he has a mustache or a beard or whatnot. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, you know, Marcus is – play is uh speaks for itself the way he's been playing he was actually playing pretty well even before he grew the mustache and then played all played well all throughout the time that he had it uh, so he's going without it again and the titans heading into the stretch run we'll see if uh, the mustache has any effect on his game you're listening to locked on titans on the locked on podcast network it's now our pleasure to bring in from our Affiliate network sister station, if you will, locked on Broncos, Chad Jensen and Luke Polglaze that uh, do an outstanding job hosting that show. And guys, thank you for taking the time out to join us here today to talk a little bit about this coming matchup on Sunday between the Broncos and the Titans. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us, fellas. It's great to be here. Thanks for coming on, guys. Let's jump right into it. Uh, We'll go ahead and ask you some questions about the Broncos. Obviously, one of the big questions on uh, people's minds here is, who's going to be under center? Will it be Trevor Simeon uh, returning to the lineup, or will it be Paxton Lynch, who played his college football about three hours down the road in Memphis? You know, if I had to bet on it today, um, I would say that all signs at this stage – you know, just to play it safe, you kind of have to expect Paxton Lynch. Um, Trevor Simeon was taken out of the boot that he had for his spring foot. Um, over the weekend, he's been walking around. He was at practice on uh, on Wednesday. You know, Kubiak, Gary Kubiak said that, you know, they asked, well, did he throw? Well, you know, he did everything we asked him to do. How's he look? Well, he looks, you know, he looks like he's okay. He's day-to-day. 
and then hearing it from Simeon too, you know, they're very careful in their verbiage. It's all day-to-day stuff. So, you know, that's a tough injury to come back from real quick. Um, you know, if I had to bet today, I'd say Paxton Lynch. Hello? Yes, Luke, let's... Uh, let's- Let's uh, get you in here momentarily. And uh, when you look at this uh, Broncos unit offensively, obviously some changes from a season ago. Uh, Of course, Peyton Manning retires. Brock Osweiler takes off down to Houston. How much of a difference would Osweiler have made with this team had he stuck around and been the quarterback? Because obviously he struggled in Houston. He's not exactly been what they thought they were getting to this point in time during the season. Would he have made a discernible difference for this Broncos offense? Yeah, well, I think the offense last season compared to this one is kind of a very similar story. Um, last year, this offense was plagued by just inefficiency and inconsistency. Um, we saw that in the passing game with Manning and Osweiler. We saw that in the run game and most particularly on the offensive line. This year, it's like looking in the mirror. That offensive line is the big, again, the big kind of Achilles heel of this team. Um, no matter who they try on that line, they just haven't really had success. So I think at this point, any quarterback is likely to struggle behind that line. Um, and based on the way the Osweiler has looked in your division in Houston, I, you know, at this point, I was high on him last season, but at this point, I just can't say that he would be a noticeable upgrade over what they have right now. One of the big concerns here with the Titans is how are they going to block Von Miller? Now, obviously, they have Taylor LeJuan and Jack Conklin, two of the brightest young tackles in the game uh, right now, but uh, I don't think these guys, except maybe when LeJuan may have gone up against J.J. Watt, Outside of that, these guys haven't faced a challenge like Von Miller uh, and haven't faced it this year. Uh, what type of dynamic does Miller bring to that Denver defense in terms of just making everybody else around him that much better? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Von Miller is he's, he's good at pretty much everything. He doesn't, you know, a lot of these times you can look at, at a top player at their position in the NFL and you can pick apart their game and say, you know, yeah, he's great at doing this. Uh, you know, he's got a great bull rush maybe, or he's got a great spin move inside, but he can't. He doesn't have a great first step, and he can't bend around the edge or whatever combination, if you will. Vaughn Miller can do all that stuff. And so what it does is it ends up drawing attention to him, and he'll still beat uh, double teams. He'll beat triple teams at times. But what it does that really has helped out Wade Phillips in terms of calling, you know, um, the defense is it gives guys like DeMarcus Ware. You would never think you want DeMarcus Ware singled up on a tackle, but it gives him one-on-ones. And then the Broncos are remarkably deep at the edge rush position. You've got Shaquille Barrett. You've got Shane Ray, last year's number one pick. So he, you know, he's a guy you've got to worry about in and of himself. Taking him out of the game is one thing, but then you've got to account for all these other guys. And we've just seen game after game how it's become a very uh, tall task for uh, opposing offensive coordinators to account for. One of the things, too, that impresses me about the Denver defense is their cornerbacks. I mean, you look at uh, there's Akeem Tlaib, who everybody knows about. There's Chris Harris and Bradley Roby, who uh, plays in the slot a lot. Is, is there a better – I don't know if Seattle gets a lot of attention, but is that maybe the best – cornerback tandem 
uh, in the NFL, it sure seems like it, it's in consideration at least because those guys really do seem to be around the ball a lot. I think it has to be really considered one of the better ones in the league. Um, if you look at just the depth of it um, and the way that they've performed for so long, um, I think Bradley Roby would be a number one or number two cornerback on most teams around the league. And yet, really in Denver, he's kind of relegated to nickel status. Um, I would have to imagine, yeah, Seattle's you know one of the teams that's really coming to mind as being one of those top cornerback defensive units, which for being such a passing league, I'm actually kind of surprised that I can't think of anybody really immediately who jumps to mind quite as much um, in terms of just sheer depth of cornerback right at the top. Yeah, another question I have for you in terms of how the Broncos are preparing for this game, and I know that today they kind of had a practice that was really a walkthrough according to what the reports are out of there. You know, normally, you know, you wouldn't think this is a big deal, but will it affect the Broncos negatively, the fact that they made a cross-country trip to Jacksonville last week, then they go back home, and now they've got to make another cross-country trip to Nashville uh, this weekend while the Titans are coming off a bye and coming off added rest. Do you think that has the potential to factor into this game at all? I would say absolutely. You know, it's the second trip in as many weeks uh, to the eastern seaboard, essentially. And, and you know, for the Broncos, they're, uh, you know, they've, they've had a few injuries that they're dealing with, defense and offense. And you've got a Titans team coming in that's rested, coming off the bye, that, you know, for a game that is just setting up to be a pure physical heavyweight, you know, about, I, I can only imagine that, that Tennessee coming into this game having been on the, you know, couple weeks of rest will benefit them. But that being said, you know, the Broncos are treating this game basically as a playoff <clears throat> caliber type of game. And in those type of situations we've seen over the last uh, couple years with Kubiak at the helm that his guys are, are always prepared. You mentioned Greg. You mentioned, Chad, that this is a playoff type of uh, game this week. And obviously right now uh, the Titans in a three-way tie for their division lead. The Broncos, the defending Super Bowl champions, looking up at the Oakland Raiders at this point in time. So, in essence, that really is a, a playoff type of game because Denver needs this win just as much as the Titans do if they want to keep pace with the Raiders and try to win that division. Yeah, I mean, essentially what happened is with, when the Broncos lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 12 at home, they gave up any margin of error that they had going down the stretch. It was a crushing game for them in that regard. It, it basically, not absolutely, but in all you know, for all intents and purposes, also took them out of consideration really for the one seed. You got the Chiefs won a game ahead of them, a game and a half. Now that they beat them. Uh, at nine and three, and then the Oakland Raiders uh, at ten and two, two and a half games ahead essentially, because they also have beat them in their one head-to-head matchup. So the only upside for the Broncos is, you know, they got to win them all. They they get Tennessee this week, next week they get New England, and then they get, they close out the season with Kansas City and Oakland respectively. So they have a chance to make up some ground, but really, if they even want to sniff the opportunity of being in even close to the the, uh, the their position going into the playoffs that they were last year, they basically have to win out, and that's going to be a really tall order. Luke, the Denver defense, we hear about 
uh, and Denver offense, really. We hear about the Stars, the uh, Von Millers, the DeMarcus Wares, uh, Aqib Tlaib, the guys that mean so much to this team. But who is the one unsung hero that maybe people in Nashville and throughout the NFL don't hear as much from uh, this Denver Bronco team but is a key contributor in a lot of ways to them? Yeah, so the one guy I would highlight would be um, the, the safety, Darian Stewart, who he kind of made headlines a couple of weeks ago when he got this four-year contract extension, but otherwise he's really flown under the radar. People like to highlight T.J. Ward as being the other you know, kind of headline-grabbing safety in Denver, but you know, arguably Darian Stewart is a far better, better tackler. He's a veteran presence in the center of the field. He plays that middle-of-the-field uh, safety position so well. He's a hard hitter. I mean, I've seen him deliver some absolutely jarring hits. And this is a guy who's, you know, he's a veteran leadership presence. He's not afraid to, to speak out. And really, the team does flock to him, especially that aggressive secondary. They like to play tough. They like to play physical. Um, and Darian Studer is really, I think, an underrated part of that back end of the defense. Guys, I'll, because we're in Tennessee, I'll ask a question that has to be asked. Do you sense any indication, I know Peyton Manning was fading there at the end of his career uh, in Denver last year, but do you get any sense that the Broncos miss his leadership and miss what he brings to the table in any way? I, without a doubt. You know, it left a, a void. And really, I think the void was uh, an accountability type of thing, and, and especially on offense. I mean, it trickled down to all all aspects and phases of the roster, but Peyton Manning just kind of, not only did he give guys a spark, you know, in terms of confidence and, uh, you know, when they get out on the field, all things are possible when you got the sheriff, but it also just, you, you've heard defensive guys talk about it even this year that, you know, they wanted to play for Peyton. They didn't want to let Peyton down. Maybe they would have talked or, or said things to the media at a certain point in the season, but thought twice about it because they didn't want to let down Peyton or, or stir anything up and get him on their butt, so to speak. So, I mean, you can go down the list, and, and there's just no getting around it that Peyton Man- losing Peyton Manning has had a, a, a pretty heavy effect. And the flip side to that, though, is it's forced other guys to step up into leadership roles. And as a relatively young team, I mean, you've got your elder statesmen like DeMarcus Ware, you know, Aqib Tlaib's up there. Um, but guys like Vaughn Miller and, um, you know, your Chris Harris Jr., even Trevor Simeon, these guys have had to step up to the plate and grow their, um, grow their ability as leaders to, to raise all ships. So, you know, it's hurt them, but at the same time, it's kind of that adapter die mentality. And so far, you know, they're 8-4. and four. I think they've adapted to it about as well as you could expect with a first-time, second-year starter at quarterback. Okay, guys, uh, we certainly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules to be with us. Before we let you go today, we want to get your prediction. And, Luke, I'll start with you. Who's going to win this game on Sunday when the Broncos visit here in Nashville? This is actually going to be a little bit surprising, but um, we are going through the rest of the Broncos schedule. I think it was last week I gave my predictions for how I think everything shakes out. And I actually do think Tennessee wins this one. They need it more than Denver just to stay afloat in the division race. Um, I think Denver, they drop this one, and they're going to have to scramble to get that sixth seed in the playoffs. I think Tennessee wins this one 24-20. Chad? Yeah, this was a tough one for me because I'll tell you what, if, if I knew for a fact that Trevor Simeon 
was healthy and that he was going to start, I would pick the Broncos. And with Paxton Lynch there, uh, the possibility of him starting, I mean, the Broncos went one of 13 on third down last week in Jacksonville uh, with Peyton, or excuse me, Paxton Lynch uh, under center. And so that kind of convolutes it matters for me. But I just, I, I got to believe that Gary Kubiak, the whole team, all the way down, understand the stakes of this game. And I think the Broncos, as we've seen week in and week out, dating back to when Gary Kubiak took over uh, as the head coach in 2015, these games are played close to the vest. They come down to the wire, and whichever team blinks last in the clutch comes out on top. And more often than not, since Kubiak's been in town, that's been the Broncos. And I'm going to pick them this week. I think the Broncos win a single-score game, something like 27-24, but I'm not 100% confident in that. Guys, I got one more question for you before you go. And this one is a a sentimental one. As I grew up a Denver Broncos fan, can you please get them to consider going back to the Orange Crush uniforms? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of people in Denver that would like that. We kind of got a little bit of a glimpse of uh, kind of the older look, you know, when they did the, the color rush. Uh, Jersey a few weeks back on Thursday night. I think it was week six. You know, they had kind of a play on the old helmet. Not the same color orange, but it was an orange. And, you know, there's some fans I think that would really get into that, but the Broncos, uh, they're pretty invested in, in where they're at, I think, with their current, uh, you know, colors and style. Chad Jensen, Luke Poglaze, locked on Broncos. Guys, thanks so much for the time. We've enjoyed it. Best of luck coming up this week and throughout the rest of the season, and we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Best wishes, guys. Well, Terry, good stuff from those two guys from our Denver affiliate site. And uh, as we always do to close the show, it's time for final thoughts. Your final thoughts on this Wednesday edition. Well, my final thought is that, uh, you know, whoever is at quarterback for the Broncos, and certainly – I would think that at this stage of their careers, Trevor Simeon would give them a chance to be a little bit more dynamic offensively. But whoever is at quarterback is probably going to take the time to look the way of whoever starts opposite Jason McCourty at cornerback to see if it's Bryce McCain, if it's Valentino Blake, if it's LaShawn Sims, if it's some combination of those three in a rotation. I would think that they're going to send Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders toward that guy and throw them the football as much as possible just to see if they're up to the task. You make a great point there, and I can certainly see that being uh, part of the game plan for the Broncos. My final thought is the Titans' offensive line. If they can handle the Denver front seven and be able to run the football effectively – in this game, and certainly DeMarco Murray being healthy. Derrick Henry should be healthy and ready to go. If the Titans can run the football and run it effectively and get just enough out of their passing game and hold up and not get to Marcus hit a lot and potentially hurt in this game with the pass rushers that Denver has, I think they have a chance to win this football game because the Denver offense has struggled. It looks like uh, that uh, Paxton Lynch might be the starter 
He hasn't played a lot of football this year in the NFL. He is a rookie, obviously, and I think the Titans' defense and Dick LeBeau can do enough to get a win, but it all starts and ends with the Titans' offensive line and what they do against this pressure. That will do it for us on this Wednesday edition. We'll be back with you uh, on excuse me, this Thursday edition, rather. We'll be back with you on our Friday edition when Brad rejoins us and we will give you our predictions for who wins the game coming up on Sunday. Until then, have a great rest of the day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.